Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Well, what an hour we have for you this Friday night. First, we will talk Jets Saints from the opposite side of that matchup. We'll head on up to New York, talk to Jets Beast reporter Brian Costello in just a couple of minutes. After that, it's my two-part sit-down with Tim Brando, Fox Sports play-by-play voice and national commentator covering college football, talking about what he describes as a sports, and these are his words, in peril, facing a coast-to-coast relevancy crisis outside of the South. And frankly, I agree with him, and his words are riveting. We will hear two parts of his interview. It's a long one, about 20 minutes, but it is worth every minute of your eardrums listening here on the show. Again, that comes your way at about 9, 29, 25 local time in New Orleans. But first, as promised, let's go inside NFL training camp, and this serves as a double dip to go behind enemy lines for the Saints. It's the New York Jets in focus tonight. Brian Costello, New York Jets beat reporter for the New York Post and WFAN 101.9 FM, 660 AM, the big stick up in New York. Brian, how you doing? I'm good. How are you? Look, I'm fantastic. How are things for the Jets uh, this camp, man? How have things been up there? Uh, it's been pretty positive, you know, new coach. So uh, that always gets people excited. Sam Darnold in year two has people talking and Le'Veon Bell coming over um also another reason for Jets fans to be optimistic after some dark years recently yeah no doubt about it there's so many storylines with this team and you kind of laid them out there we're going to hit most Uh of those let's start with with Sam Darnold somebody that I'm so intrigued to watch in year two because he seems to have all the physical attributes was pretty good at times last year as a rookie how's he looked at camp he looked great in camp. You know, you try to kind of pump the brakes sometimes because it's just training camp, but he has really thrown the ball well. He looks like he's grasping out and Gase's system really well. And, you know, Sam, like you mentioned last year, he kind of, he kind of had two seasons because he played uh, the first nine games, I guess, and then he injured his foot and he missed two games, and then he came back and played the last four. And uh, he was a different guy in those last four games, and you could see a difference in him. I think he benefited from watching for a few weeks, and he's kind of picked up where he left off last year, and he's had a very strong training camp in preseason so far. And they're going to need it, I would imagine, on that offense, yeah. a little bit uh, revamped. Uh, yeah. You mentioned uh, Levy and Bell there, Brian, as well. And I, I saw that he's talking about, hey, I want, I want my teammates to hit me in training camp. i got to get prepared for the season, right? Yeah, because, I mean, he's not playing any preseason games. So, we noticed a few practices, he's gotten popped, and, and he's taken some hits, and he kind of likes it. You can kind of tell when he's looking for that. You know, either way he's running, he's not um, – he's kind of bracing himself to get hit, and they're hitting him a little bit. So, he's not going to play him. I was going to play against the Saints. They're going to sit him out and wait till week one to play him. Uh, but, he's, you know, he looked good in training camp. He looks like he's in shape. Uh, we'll see how rusty he is once the season starts. Are, are you as intrigued? And, look, I use that word intrigued. I think that's just uh, following the Jets around here. But to follow Levy and Bell this year because of, I don't know, is this a test case for what he did last year sitting out a whole year trying to, I don't know, keep his body yeah. uh, from getting banged up as he searched for a new contract? 
I don't think it's – I'm not as intrigued as, at that. I, I think he'll be fine. He's young enough where you can sit out of here. He'll be fine. Uh, I'm more intrigued in can his – not behind the Steelers' offensive line. Uh, this is a different team, the Jets, than the Steelers. They don't have David DeCastro and Pouncey up front. Uh, they, don't, they don't have Mike Munchak coaching the offensive line. They don't have Ben Roethlisberger. You know, we talked about Sam. Sam's – He's not Ben Roethlisberger uh, in his prime, like Le'Veon played with, and, and no Antonio Brown on the outside either for the Jets. So this is a different offense. So I'm really intrigued in how Le'Veon does in this offense without so much weaponry around him. Um, that that's the, the biggest question in my mind with Le'Veon Bell right now. We're inside Jets training camp with Brian Costello of WFAM and the New York Post up in NYC. And on the other side of the football, I saw Brandon Copeland suspended four games by the NFL for violating mm-hmm. the league's policy on performance-enhancing drugs. Um, how's that unit going to be without him? I think they'll be okay without him. Um, you know, he he's a he had a good year for them last year, but I think they could have out him for four games. Uh, the bigger loss to me was they lost Andrew Williamson last week uh, towards ACL in the preseason game against the Falcons, and he's an inside linebacker for them, who who put who was their leading tackler last year. So I think that's the bigger loss for them to overcome right now. The outside linebacker spot with Copeland, they kind of had a rotation there anyway, and they've got a lot of guys that work in there. So I think they'll be able to plug that hole easier than the, the hole left by Avery Williamson being out. Uh, give all the smart football fans listening to the show uh, what you're going to be looking for from a Jets perspective tomorrow during this game, Brian. Well, a few things. I mean, Sam, uh, I'm curious how long they'll play Sam. And, you know, the, the key is going to be getting him out of this game healthy. Uh, once they do that, you know, he should be healthy for the regular season. So um, Adam Gay said the other night that they, they'll probably play a half and maybe even a series in the third quarter. I kind of doubt that. I think he'll have them out at halftime. Uh, the other thing is Ryan Khalil, who Saints fans know from his years with Carolina. The, the Jets lured him out of retirement three weeks ago. Uh, this will be his first game. He hasn't played in any preseason games. So I'm kind of interested to see how he looks, if he looks rusty, um, how his snaps are, and, and just how he kind of operates within the offense. And then uh, the other thing with with the Jets is cornerback. They are very thin at cornerback right now. Tremaine Johnson is hurt, has a hamstring injury, so there's a lot of young guys out there. I'm curious to see how they play in this game. Finally, Brian, expectations this year are, of course, always kind of muted when you're in that same division with the Patriots. But what's a realistic yep. goal here for New York? I think realistic is – He's getting eight and eight, nine and seven. You know, they won four games last year. So they win eight games. That's, that's they're doubling their win total. And I think, you know, that's that's a fair climbing toward being a playoff team. I think if everything broke right for them and Sam really took a giant step forward this year, they might be able to get up to ten wins and, and contend for the wild card. But that's that I think is a ceiling. I think that's if, if everything broke right for them. So to me, eight and eight, nine and seven is realistic for the Jets this year. Tomorrow night, Saints and the Jets. You can hear it right here on WWL. Brian, really appreciate the time tonight. Thanks so much. Thanks for having me. You bet. Uh, Brian Costello, Jets beat reporter for The Post and WFAN up in New York. He's at Brian Cause on Twitter. We'll take a break. When we come back, part one of our two-part interview with Tim Brando, national sports commentator for Fox Sports. Part one, he goes into... The scheduling imbalance across college football and what he describes an, as an embarrassing and pathetic 
His words, not mine, although I might agree with them, schedule for the Alabama Crimson Tide. You're going to want to listen to this. That's next on WWL. Today, we're going to look back like we always do on Friday to our best last slap interview of the week. And well, this week, it was no contest. I had a chance earlier this week to talk to Tim Brando, who is one of college football's most passionate voices, has been covering the sport for over four decades. He's now a play-by-play voice on Saturdays on Fox Sports Television, covering some of the biggest games in college football. And he's also a national sports commentator for Fox Sports. In part one of my interview with Tim Brando, we talk about LSU's position near the top of the polls, their shots and odds against Texas early in the season, and then a look at the scheduling imbalance across the sport and from coast to coast, including what he describes as an embarrassing pathetic schedule for the Alabama Crimson Tide. And that was part one of my discussion with Tim Brando, Fox Sports commentator and play-by-play voice on Twitter at Tim Brando. We'll take a quick break here. When we come back, we will have part two of my discussion when Tim Brando details what he says is a sport in peril facing a coast-to-coast relevancy crisis. We'll do that when we come back. On the last lap. It's a text from the 504. I graduated from Penn State. I watch about 10-plus college games per year now. Couldn't care less about bowl season nor the four-team playoff. And then we'll look, the, the interest is waning in that playoff. The, the ratings show that. And, and what Tim said there last segment when he said uh, we, we had promises of this playoff from a ratings perspective being on par with the NFL – never happened i mean big ratings but not nfl playoff ratings not really even close the championship perhaps might uh, garner more about as much as you know a wild card playoff game but it's ratings that are flat or declining like he mentioned there and especially when you get outside of the south let's go to the phone lines now lots of comments on this we'll start with jason and destrahan jason what's going on tonight how are you doing, Seth? And I have a feeling this is going to go very poorly because I had a thought. I was excited about it. Then the more I thought about it, the more I second-guessed myself. So now I have no idea what I'm doing. Okay, all right. Um, well, I, what I wanted to say is I think there's more to say about college football than just the teams and the talent disbursement and things like that. Um you know, it's tough. I agree with the 18 playoff. I think there should be eight teams. I think it was wrong. I don't understand what they were thinking by having power five conferences and then a top four playoff. Like every year, somebody's going to get left out. And then when the SEC can almost guarantee two teams, that means another power five conference is getting shafted. So I never thought the four team was going to be enough. And I don't know why they didn't. I don't know why they stuck to such a long contract with the 14 playoff in the first place because now they're they're kind of stuck and they can't do anything about it. Well, they have three-year outs. Remember, remember what Brando said there, and he's right. There's a three-year out. Every three years, ESPN can basically opt out of this or renegotiate the contracts. And, and look, that, that may happen. It may not. There's a lot of cynicism there, Jason, with Tim Brando thinking that the network executives – and the college football playoff committee is just going to worry about making money, which they are. They're making a lot of money with this. But that money is being made in a narrower and narrower market across the country. Thanks for the call, though, Jason. Got more than I want to get to here. Really appreciate you listening tonight. Let's go to Gary in Lakeview. Gary, welcome to The Last Lap. 
yeah, thanks for having me on. I um, I was completely unaware that there was any problem at all with college ball. I thought it was just hot as it could be all around, which is a similar situation what's happening at um, the fairgrounds tomorrow. There's quarter horse racing, which seems to be very popular in different parts of the country, mm-hmm. and then not so much in New Orleans. So I went last week to the fairgrounds, and, man, these horses are just flying for about, uh, you know, 350, 400, 500 yards, something. And they're just, I mean, it's just amazing to see that. And I was unaware of the sport just a few weeks ago. Right. And, and Gary, that's it, your view, I think, is is a similar one to most of us here who follow an SEC or a big-time college football program and what Tim Brando describes as kind of the Sun Belt from Dallas to Clemson, south of the Mason-Dixon line. Because as I just wrote in my column, kind of profiling what Tim Brando said, you can find it on the headline and the front page of the WWL.com website right now. The headline is Tim Brando, college football is in peril, facing a coast-to-coast crisis. I mean, you go to Baton Rouge on a Saturday in the fall, there's tens of thousands of rabid college football fans. There's these huge tailgating grills meat smoking sizzling across the entire campus and it's a sea of purple and gold you you tell people there at those tailgates before lsu games that there's a crisis in college football relevancy across the country and they're going to give you some chuckles and eye rolls because it's it's not happening here it's not happening here but if we kind of zoom out a little bit and look outside of this area it's a problem it's a really big problem that the sport has to get a handle on or it's going to become incredibly regionalized. And it can it can be a very big moneymaker as a regional sport. I mean, if the SEC just played against each other and they, they only had the SEC and they, they played for an SEC championship, not even a national championship, they'd make money hand over fist. But if this wants to continue to be a sport that is beloved from coast to coast, Things got to change, and I'm completely on board with what Tim Brando said. Let's go to John in Indiana. John, welcome to the show. Hey, how you doing? Look, the, the way I look at it, I mean, every week is a every weekend is a playoff game to me. The way I look at it, because I mean, you win, you lose two games, you're you got a good chance of not even being considered the way it is now. So basically, when you the way you look at it, yeah, I mean, an 18 playoff, I get the point. But every weekend is just about a playoff game because, I mean, on any given day, somebody who's supposed to be good could get knocked off by someone else. And, uh, you know, I mean, but then again, on the other hand, you end up with a, what was that, 1998 when Tulane went undefeated, um, you know, and, mm-hmm. and everybody's like, well, gee whiz, they, they, you know, Tommy Bowden couldn't do any better. So uh, I, I, I get the 18 playoff, but the way I look at it, the way it is now, it's exciting enough because, Every weekend is a playoff game, essentially. Yeah, and well, here's and here's where John and we're up against the clock. So that's that's those are really good points, and, and it's hard to disagree with you there. Except I would push back with the powerhouse schools. Is is really every week a playoff for Clemson and Alabama? And I think we we have our answer with what happened a couple of years ago. Alabama lost in their regular season finale to Auburn. They didn't even play for the SEC championship. They were invited to the playoff. Meanwhile, an undefeated Wisconsin team that lost in a close one to Ohio State in their conference championship game, they were left out. Clemson also got in that year losing to Syracuse. We'll get to your calls next. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? 
Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.